Well, last week we talked about the choices that we've made and the consequences that go with them. Uh, like all of our biblical heroes, uh, we've all had to make choices, and we've all from time to time chosen poorly. And we have lived and maybe continue to live with the consequences that follow those. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a broken relationship, someone that we still can't seem to get along with. Maybe we're aware of the pain that we've caused other people. Maybe it's pain that's been caused to us. It might be the guilt that we carry around with us, guilt for things that happened long ago that just continues to nag at us, continues to haunt us. Uh, you ever have those moments when you just wonder, how could I have said that? Uh, what possessed me to cause me to do that? And we live in that guilt. Uh, I've carried things like that with me throughout my, throughout my whole life. Uh, when... Uh, you know, dating even back into the early years as I was just trying to figure out what all this Jesus thing meant. Uh, for instance, I uh, grew up and I was the first in my family to go to an entirely integrated school from first grade on. All my older brothers were a part of segregation and, and so I'm right there on the edge of that time period. By the time I got to high school in, the, in, in 1980, uh, there was still pain, and there still is. You're aware of that. The, the, the African-American high school in my hometown was Laurel High School. Its colors were black and gold. Uh, the white school was Benjamin Russell, and we were some version of red and white. We got to vote every year, and it changed crimson or maroon or red or something like that. Uh, every year, they allowed the student body to choose our colors. And every year when I was in high school, somebody would put uh, gold in as an option. They wanted us to include some of Laurel High School's colors. They wanted us to be perhaps red, white, and gold. That makes sense. But every year in high school when they passed out the ballot, I faithfully marked red and white only. And I would tell people, they joined our school. Why should they bring their colors? I hadn't said that outside in a long time. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I hadn't said it out loud. But at the logic of that, the, the flawed logic in that is obvious, isn't it? We merged two schools so the other school ought to adopt all of our stuff and leave all of theirs behind. I carried that guilt. And even though I no longer feel that way, even though I'm grieved by that behavior, the guilt lingers. You know what I mean? Do you have those? Do you think about stuff like that, or is it just me? Uh, even as I entered into ministry, and I, I thank God for our small membership churches that allow folks like me to, uh, to get up every Sunday and sometimes make a fool of ourselves as we learn our trade. You remember? It's... Uh, our small membership churches are some of the most gracious people in the world as they allow 20-somethings learn how to preach. Uh, but in those years, I remember standing in the pulpit and uh, actually shouting rather loudly some hateful things, uh, shouted, directed at people simply because of who 
they loved. I've said things I won't repeat anymore from the pulpit. But as time went on and I began to reflect on some of those hurtful words, I, I thought I was attacking people who weren't even in the room. That's always the easiest bunch to attack, by the way. They probably were in the room, and I probably hurt people. And I carried that guilt for a long time. Do, do you understand what that's... Ha, have you been there with me? Have you done things in the past and said things in the past that if you could figure out how to take it back, you would? That kind of guilt lingers. as It especially seems to surface in this season of Lent when we focus on confession, when we... When the theme is lament. We want to get free from it. But the guilt lingers. And then we look at today's text. Jesus promises some incredible stuff. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Uh, says those famous verses that we're familiar with. If you've ever watched a professional sporting event. You've seen somebody with a sign that says John 3.16. Uh, John 3, 16 and 17 offer us some wonderful promises in the face of uh, some of our bad behavior. It says that whoever believes in the Son will not perish. We're not going to have to be punished for our hateful things. It says but we will have everlasting life and we're promised salvation over in verse 17. It's wonderful stuff, but even in the midst of those promises, even when Jesus has said this stuff is coming... Sometimes I wonder, how do we get there from here? What do I do with the guilt? What do I do with the baggage that I'm still carrying around that seems to be getting in between me and the promise that Jesus has offered? I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus actually gives a clue to that in the preceding two verses, 14 and 15. Jesus actually outlines a path to the kind of healing that I need in those two verses, but so often I've missed it because Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he mentions a story to Nicodemus that Nicodemus knew well. We don't know it quite as well. He makes this strange comment, it's just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I, I read that for years, like, what serpent? Jesus, how did a snake get into the middle of this whole story? So let's turn back to pages and see what Jesus was talking about. Flip all the way back to Numbers 21. Israel is wandering in the wilderness. They've already come through the ten plagues, the Passover. They passed through the Red Sea. They've been to Mount Sinai. They're in the midst of their wilderness wanderings. And they start grumbling. I know you can't believe that. This crowd that has seen the Red Sea split in two, that sees God visibly as a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, they start grumbling. In Numbers 21, their complaint is, God, we don't have anything to eat. We're hungry. The food we do have is miserable. I read through that and I'm kind of shocked. You understand that the food that they've been eating is manna. God provides food every morning, six days a week for the people. 
The bread of heaven literally comes down and covers the ground. All they have to do is go out and pick it up. God provides manna for them every day. And in Numbers 21, this, this group of people has said, God, the food stinks. I read through it. I said, you understand you're criticizing God's cooking, right? <laughs> I mean, you're filing your complaint with God about God's food. Yeah, they are. Well, God didn't take it too well. As the story goes on, God hears their grumbling, hears their complaining, and uh, he sends venomous snakes. I mean, of all the stuff God could send, that's getting pretty low, right? That's, that's pretty bad. God sends venomous snakes, and they bite a lot of people. And a lot of people die. Well, not surprisingly, they change their tune about the cooking. And all they want to do is they, they go to Moses and say, Moses, we've, we've messed up again. Uh, we repent. Would you ask God to get rid of these blasted snakes? So Moses speaks to God. And God does not get rid of the snakes. Plot twist. I mean, you followed the story over and over again. It, it happens a lot throughout that 40 years, that uh, the people complain a lot. God punishes a lot. The people repent a lot. And God removes the punishment and they go on about their business. But this time's different. This time God doesn't remove the snakes. He lets them hang around. But instead, he says to Moses, what I want you to do is fashion a snake out of bronze. Now that should cause some questions right off the bat. You understand the second commandment of the Ten Commandments. Number two specifically says don't do that. Don't make it. So for all of us, for all of us that think the Bible said it, that settles it, that doesn't work that way. Because in the second commandment on Mount Sinai, God says to Moses, don't make any graven in image of anything that flies or crawls or creeps on the earth. And then right around over here while people are dying from snake bite, God said, oh, by the way, make a graven image. <laughs> Put it on a stick. And then you're going to take your snake on the stick. Put it up in the middle of the assembly. And, if, and when someone is bitten by one of these snakes... The snakes that God didn't take away, the snakes that linger around just like our guilt lingers around, that the snakes that keep working their way into our lives just like our pains keep working their way into our lives, Moses says whenever you're bitten by one of these snakes, whenever the pain comes, go and look at the snake on the stick. And everyone who looks on the serpent will be healed. Now, out of all of the things that happened in the Exodus, this is the story that Jesus goes to to explain salvation. I'd have probably picked another one. Water from a rock, bread from heaven, walking through. The <coughs> out of all of the stories that happened in the Exodus, this is the story Jesus chooses to explain salvation. He says to Nicodemus, it's like this. When you realize 
when you realize the pain, go and look at the source of the pain. Face the pain. I don't like it. I would prefer a, another remedy, wouldn't you? I, I would prefer an easier way. But so it was, whenever someone was bitten by one of those snakes, they would go and they would stand and they would look at the source of their pain and they would find healing. You know, I've done some hurtful things in my life. I've got my own collection of sins, just like you do. Grace is not the opportunity to sweep those under the rug. Grace is not pretending that those things didn't happen. But it's confessing that they did. Admitting that, yes, we did do that. But then also discovering when we face the cross. Also discovering that whatever it is that we've done isn't the worst that we've done. Whatever guilt is nagging at us isn't the worst that we've done. The worst that we've done is participate in the death of the perfect Son of God. The worst that we've done is demonstrated at the cross. And yet, while Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So for the hateful things I've said and the hateful things I've done, I come and face the cross. And what I find in the Savior that I put on the cross is forgiveness. Wow. It's incredible. We carry our own scars too. People have hurt us, haven't they? We could all make a list. When we've been hurt by this world, when we've been hurt by evil in this world, still God invites us to come and to face our pain, to face it on the cross, to look at the cross and see how evil people really can be. We see the results of absolute hatred as we see our Savior hanging on the cross. And I'm reminded that even in the new heaven and the new earth, Jesus still has his scar. We, uh, once we all gather around the throne, the revelation tells us that we will worship the Lamb who was slain. That his scars, the, the harm that we inflicted on him, will take on a radiance. That those scars will be glorified. That God transforms them into something that is beautiful. So I have great hope when I bring my pain to the cross, when I face the cross that God transforms my scars too. That when we share in the suffering of Jesus' death, we shall also share in the glory of his resurrection. So during the season of lament, as we are reminded of the pain that we've done and the pain that we've done to others, the pain that's been done to us, as we're reminded of the pain we've done to others and the pain done to us, we will be tempted to go to God and say, God, take it away. 
God does one better. He says to us, come and face the pain. Come face the pain. Come and face the cross and find healing. Amen. Will you please stand for our invitation? The altar is open for any need at all that you have. The doors of the church are open for membership. But more than that, if you would come and pray, uh, I invite you today to bring whatever it is that drags you down. I invite you to bring that to the cross and find healing. Will you come as we sing?